Only two games in the NBA on Thursday. We're going to talk about them, including another just ridiculous performance from Victor Wembanyama. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and from now on, when you address me, you have to start it by saying, yes, chef. I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore bball, on TikTok at redrock underscore bball, and on Instagram at lockedonfantasybasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedonnba. That is linkedin.com slash lockedonnba to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Be a double banger. Watch the video, listen to the audio, give a thumbs up, ring the bell, give a comment and subscribe it is our way to hit to op- operation 80k it's a long shot but hopefully we get there by the end of the season just keep subscribing keep plugging away on all of the shows bit of a shorter one i'm guessing today there's only two games on nothing earth shattering has actually happened news wise so we're going to get into what did happen and what we need to pay attention to from a fantasy point of view for the action on thursday tomorrow there is a lot there's 14 games on so go check out the daily look ahead show that i did earlier today also to get an idea of what we're sort of watching for in that scenario but a couple of updates that are important that we need to know uh, for chicago both zach levine and nikola vucevic are both questionable i would expect that Levine plays. Vooch, I'm a little bit on the fence with it. Um, again, there's been so many uh, coach speak issues recently. You know, no timetable to return has literally meant like two days in most of these cases for injuries, and that seems to be the same with Vooch. Do not drop Pat Williams or Andre Drummond yet. Let's wait and see what happens, unless there's a real desperation situation that you've got that you hear, hey, Levine is coming back, he's on my IL slot, and I've got Williams and Drummond's my worst player, then sure, do it. Like, you lose one day of production, but it's not like, well, he's an auto drop, I better go and add, insert crud muncher here who's going to jump in and give me nothing in my lineup. You might want to just hold to wait on some of that stuff, but there are going to be individual circumstances which necessitate a drop of those fill-in players, especially like the big avocado Andre Drummond. The Nets got fined for their resting situation the other day, $100,000, part of the player participation policy. I am a little worried about what this means. Um, I don't know. For someone, because it is my job and I work here, I'm not someone who's going to one game a year and dying just to see a star. Although, imagine being disappointed that Dorian Finney-Smith didn't suit up because that's what the Nets got fined for, for rotation players. Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, Mikhail, not Mikhail Bridges, uh, Nick Claxton, and who was the other one? Someone that honestly, like uh, Cam Johnson, like, man, I, I, I traveled all the way from Australia to come and watch Spencer Dinwiddie. Like, I, that seems hardly to be uh, necessary. And also the way that, that I've always been brought up following sport is I support a team. I don't go to see individual players in, in that situation. I think what the issue I have more with that fine is that they find the nets for sitting those guys, but nothing to do with the one quarter of Mikhail Bridges' action and pulling guys off at halftime giggity or quarter time in this instance. And that ended up causing, well, potentially causing you to lose a game. 
So if you're going to find them for sitting out completely, and we actually saw something very similar to that today with the Bucks. If you're going to find them for sitting out games, but not find them for playing just a quarter, are we going to have more of that nonsense going on? That is real worrying. And the 65 games minimum situation, we're just going to have all that running through the last two weeks of the season. We'll judge it when we get to it and see how that impacts fantasy. But again, you know, I'm suggesting ways to end March 24th or that time. That's where we're ending our leagues. And we will find out how this plays out down the stretch. But I, I think that this thing that they're trying to solve, this player resting thing, which honestly, again, I, I don't like the idea of the league saying, hey, we actually know better how to manage your players than you do, is really worrying. It's, it's, it's really troubling to me. And there will be... 95% of you that push back and go, good, all these soft cocks, millions of dollars, they've got to play. Why shouldn't they play? John Stockton missed 10 games in 30 years or whatever it was. I know that a lot of you will maybe not think in that accent, but you will think along those lines. But I don't like the idea of a league coming in and telling a team who they've got to play, who it's important that they play, and how to manage the health and fitness of their players. I think that is a real problem and a real slippery slope, and I just hope it doesn't lead to more of these nonsense-type situations that we actually had in that game that wasn't addressed. So I'm a little worried about where all that goes, but hey, I do want to hear your thoughts on it. Always address them with Yes Chef, of course, but I do want to hear your thoughts on what you think about that fine, how justified it was, are any of my concerns valid, or am I just being a dickhead and we just want the players out there, we pay our money. What are your thoughts on it? Because I am in a different position. I'm in a different country, and I'm in the media. I'm not working here. I'm not talking as a fan of the game in this respect. So I do want to hear your thoughts on it. In Phoenix, Kevin Durant and Eric Gordon are both questionable. I am very skeptical about Kevin Durant. Very skeptical. Initially, they listed him as soreness. Frank Vogel came out and said he strained his hamstring Sunday. And I went, oh no, that's got to be a week minimum. Strained hamstring. But no one picked up on that part. And then he missed Wednesday. And now they've updated the injury report, injury report to say strain. But he's questionable. That is four days. Five days. That's way too short for a hamstring injury for an old bastard with a lower body injury history. And we have never, ever seen KD come back from an injury too early and anything catastrophic happen. Never. never, Not once. Shout out to the 2019 NBA Finals. We've never seen it happen. Don't know what could possibly go wrong in this scenario. Phoenix has also got no examples of this going on. Shout out to Devin Booker on Christmas last year. Never seen it before. Why NBA teams do this, I have absolutely no idea. You pinged a hammy, you're out two weeks. We will find out. I hope it doesn't end up in... And it might be totally fine. But there are just too many incidences of this for me to not be absolutely shit scared. Eric Gordon, question with knee soreness. We know he's always going to have that. We got the news that Michael Fultz is out again. I, I just don't know what to make of this. I don't know what to make of it. Questionable, now back to out. Is this another setback? You don't need to be rostering Michael Fultz. And Franz Wagner is out as well. Um, John Isaac's still out, of course. So we're going to have some... Um, Cole Anthony's going to return. Her. We're going to have some interesting things in terms of like, is Caleb Houston going to be a longer term guy? Like, I don't think we want to add him for the game on Friday with 14 games on. But there is obviously something opening up there with maybe a little bit of extra for Anthony, a little bit extra for Suggs. We'll see whether they start Anthony Black or Gary Harris is going to be out, so they're probably going to have to. It's re- That's dicey for them. And then in Dallas, amazingly, Derek Lively and Grant Williams are both questionable. I don't see how, again, Derek Lively, after spraying the same ankle, looked like a pretty nasty sprain. He was in pretty significant pain how he's going to play one day later. I would say there's almost no way that he plays, but we're not streaming in a Dwight Powell or anyone in that scenario. But they're listing him questionable, so I've got to... I, I, the conundrum 
what's the uh, the other word that I'm thinking of? The, the paradox, not quite a paradox, but the idea that I have to report and work off what we've been told, even if every fiber of my being is saying, there's no way. And that's, we're going to go into that a little bit later when we talk about coaches, because that is a, uh, that's an issue when we're, uh, when we're doing this job. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. At the start of every new year, small businesses, they ask themselves the same question. What is something that I can do to make my business or take my business to the next level in 2024? And success in small business or any business really is about who you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. Do you say candidates or candidates? Doesn't matter because LinkedIn's got them all. So easy, in fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and they might not have the time or the proper resources to hire efficiently. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That is linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Today's episode is also brought to you by BetterHelp. The new year is here when you're going to be thinking new year, new year. You're going to be thinking about new year's resolutions, but sometimes big sweeping changes can cause too much upheaval and they don't always stick. You've had positives in your life in 2023. I guarantee there's been something positive. Getting into therapy can be a positive in 2024, but can help you recognize the small wins that you've had through 2023 and help to build on them with small, long-lasting changes. So therapy is able to help you recognize that and put in practice the plans to be able to use more P's in a sentence like I just did there. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You fill out a questionnaire, you get matched with a therapist, and if you don't actually click with them when you, when you meet, When you have your sessions, you just say, well, I actually probably want a different therapist. It's much better for your outcomes and the therapists aren't going to be offended. Don't worry. They know what it's about. They know how that all goes down. So celebrate the progress that you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on MBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on NBA. Let's look at some waiver wire trends now over the last 24 hours. I did say, am I going to be seeing Bol Bol at the top of this list in the most added players? And thankfully, I am not. I am surprised, but I am not. The number one player that I'll be getting a lot of questions about this bloke is Simone Fontecchio, up 20%. I discussed this on the mailbag show earlier with Kingy. Maybe I'm a little bit behind on Fontecchio. I still don't fully believe it because over the last like five games, he's doubled his steal rate. He's shooting 52% from two, I think, and 47% from three. Numbers which aren't, just aren't going to hold. He started over half of the games this season. This is not a new thing, him starting. And in those games that he started, he's averaging like 12-3-1. and one. They're not good numbers. They're total stream numbers, but poor, probably more 14-teamer. The last couple have been really good. And then he had one double-digit double, double digit scoring game in the previous nine. So he has been added, and I get it. I actually just grabbed him in industry pickup. Just to see what happens. I'm at the top of the standings. I can sort of see where I want to move things around. But I don't think that it's a must, and I don't think this is going to hold. But Whatever. Kaminga up 20%, Wiggins up 16%, Reggie Jackson up 13%, Trace Jackson Davis up 8%, we'll talk about him later, and Dario Saric up 7%. They're all ads for guys who play today. The Warriors one is probably a little bit better because they've got the extra quality game across the weekend, Um, but 
most of well, Kaminga, great game last time, solid move to do that. But again, everything gets shaken up with the Warriors when Draymond Green returns. And we got a sort of update on that, but I didn't actually include it in the news because I don't know what it means. Oh, maybe he's going to be returning to the team facility soon to perhaps discuss returning from the suspension to ramp up. Like, okay, it doesn't tell me jack shit. It tells me he's not coming back this week. It tells me that, again, Steve Kerr said, well, we haven't been in contact and he's not working. And then a day later, Woj is like, well, actually, they're going to work towards this now, meaning that I just can't listen to anything that anybody says anymore. It's simply where it is. It's just, and this is, I should maybe take my own advice a lot more because people will often come and say, well, mate, what if I stash this guy because there's rumors of him being traded to this team? And I just go, don't listen to it. It's all fake. Don't listen to any of this stuff that you hear. And I go react when it happens. And then I'm here thinking, well, Steve Kerr said this about Draymond, so he's probably not coming back. Maybe I just need to wait and react when it happens because there's just so much misinformation and disinformation, which is different to misinformation. Disinformation, I believe, is deliberately put out there. Misinformation is just stuff that is incorrect. Maybe I'm off on that. Maybe they're actually both the same thing. I don't think that really matters. We're talking about the most added and the most dropped players in fantasy, not misinformation versus disinformation. Let's talk about the most dropped players. Gaz Trent was number one. Uh, fine, you don't roster him in 12-team leagues. Keontae George is down 12%. Totally okay. He's more of a luxury stash. The momentum has been lost. The team is playing well. And his role in his production is not enough to continue holding through. We're at week 11 here. If you want to hold, you can, but you do not have to do that. Cole Anthony down 11. Well, you might want to go grab him. He is off the injury report for tomorrow. Franz is out. Fultz is out. Harris is out. Might be worth a grab. Jabari Walker is doubtful tomorrow for the Blazers. He dropped down 10%. Aiton is still out, so we're going to have a lot of wreath, and we're going to have a lot of bargy, I'm guessing, and maybe, God God forbid, we're going to have Moses Brown. Um, Pat Williams down 10%. I, I get it, but I also would have liked to have wait, but I get it. And then Torian Prince down 9%. The Lakers play on Friday, 14 games on, who cares? And then they play again on Sunday. I don't really want to get into too much of the Darvin Ham stuff and the discontent of the locker room, but that was blindingly obvious. It was blindingly obvious that his rotations were dreadful, his lineup decisions were terrible, that the, nothing made any sense on that team, and the, all the players leaked it out simultaneously, it appears. I don't know if he's going to get fired or not, or what it's going to do, but I am really confident his, his Austin Reeves is going to remain starting and playing big minutes for the, I'll say, it, I'll say it now, the foreseeable future. Probably one game, but I'll say that he's going to be in there and doing that stuff for the foreseeable future. Let's talk games. Milwaukee goes into San Antonio, and I would say that the Spurs would be, they would have liked the win, but they'd be pretty happy to get that result over the Milwaukee Bucks. 125 um, to Milwaukee and 121 to San Antonio. Well, I've got 120 on this board. Which one's the actual score? Sometimes these box scores don't always add up because I get them from different sources, and I don't know why that is the case. Anyway, the ESPN one there in front of you says 125-121, which is cool. For the Bucks, Chris Middleton somehow played in the back-to-back and then played 15 minutes in the first half and then didn't return. And this is exactly what I was saying about the Brooklyn Nets scenario. Did the Bucks do this because the league sent this $100,000 fine out and told other teams, hey, play them a half. Don't, don't sit them out a whole game. You're on the road. You can't sit them out. It's national TV. You can't sit them out. Did, did that happen? Because if it did, I think it's shit. Like, I think it's ridiculous. This man coming off knee surgery with multiple years of knee problems, he's got to go warm up, suit him up, play 15 minutes, and then pull out halfway through. I don't know that that's what happened, but it is really bloody convenient that the fines came down for missing games, no punishment for pulling guys off after a quarter, and then a guy that's missed all the back-to-backs basically all season and is dealing with off-season knee surgery comes out, plays a back-to-back, but plays the first half only. It is very curious timing, and I worry that we have to deal with that shit as we move forward here. And that's not great for a games cap format as well because you never know if that's going to happen or not. And it does dick with your overall averages. 
Middleton was still pretty good. Like 12-3-5 and five was what we are getting for Middleton for whole games earlier on in the season. But it's still frustrating. And it is something we have to watch. Yanni played 40 minutes. He had 44, 14, and 7. Two steals and a block. He was great from the field. He was bad from the line. It's a standard game from Giannis. While Lillard played 39 minutes and had 24, 4, and 10. They played basically the entirety of the fourth quarter. That is how close this game was. Brookie Lopez, only nine points, but he did have three blocks. After that really cold start, then unbelievably red-hot streak through about week four or five, Brook has cooled way down. 107th over the last two weeks. Um, the shooting is off. He's still good, but he's sort of getting back to that exact area where I had him ranked in, in the draft zone after looking like I was too high, then way, way too low, and now it's sort of just middling out for Brook. The three blocks are still nice, though. Leaky Beasley's a very, very clear drop, except except for the Bucks schedule. They've got two more quality games coming up on Saturday and then on Monday, which is obviously a bonus. But is Leakey a guy that we hold through it? And the same goes with Bob Portis, who, again, I was well down on. I said to drop him then. Bob listened to the show. He's a big fan. He said, all right, Josh, screw you. I'm playing 27 a night and being a top 90 player for three weeks. I go, I look dumb now. And now he's 165th over the last two weeks, and he had five and four in 21 minutes. They've gone away from Bob Portis. So outside of the schedule here for the Bucks, which is a nice little window of value there, you move on. That's it. After this, you move. actually they don't even play Monday. Sorry, they played Thursday, Saturday. So after Saturday, if you want to drop Leaking, if you want to drop Portis, do it. They're streamable guys. What's the difference between a droppable guy and a streamable guy? They're the same thing. A droppable guy is someone that you don't have to hold on to your roster the whole way through. A streamable guy is someone you can have, you can drop, but more than likely, you just use them when it makes sense with a schedule. So they turn from a droppable guy to a streamable guy once they leave your roster. That's how I like to view it. You can't be streamable if you're already on the roster. And streamable just means you go on and off, on and off, on and off. And that's how I think we should be viewing those two players. For the Spurs, let's do it. Let's talk Victor Wembanyama. He played 26 minutes. He appears to be incredibly frustrated with his minutes restriction, as are we, Vic. It doesn't really seem to matter that much in terms of the numbers, though. This is what's scary about this. He's 19th in the last two weeks, playing 24 minutes a night. What? 27-9, one steal, five blocks. He's self-alley-ooping. He's stuffing Giannis at the rim. He's doing behind the back. I, this, I, I know that there can be prisoners of the moment all over the shop. There are people who told me when I did a poll the other day, 23% of respondents said that if they were in the same draft, they would take Chet Holmgren in real life. And Chet has been awesome. I understand that. But what this man is doing, Victor Wambanyama, I know that not everyone is realizing it at the moment. This is shit that literally has never happened. It has never been seen before. And it is little things. He is going to break fantasy basketball. And he is going, I feel I feel really confident. He's going to break fantasy basketball. He's going to probably break a lot of offenses with what he does defensively. And the upside on offense is out of control. Because again, the team still doesn't really know how to involve him properly. Yes, he's got a high usage. That doesn't mean he's being used properly by this team. This is a man who is going to almost sleepwalk, I think, into 30 and 15 seasons averaging four blocks. And that is not even an exaggeration. That is, it is, like, he is never leaving a first round of a draft ever again. He will be in the first round next season. He is never leaving the first round ever again until he's 40. It's just not happening. And that sounds hyperbolic, and maybe it is, but it also isn't. Just what you are seeing now, even though you might not be noticing it always in the box scores, this is shit that you've never seen before. I assure you of this. You have never seen what this man is doing. And when it becomes realized, it is going to be actually impossible I think it is really worrying for other teams for the Spurs they should love it I, I just I don't know what's going to happen for him in fantasy honestly 
could have the best fantasy, be the best fantasy player of all time, really, really comfortably. Um, the move to separate Devin Vassell from Calden Johnson has worked wonders for Devin Vassell. 34, 6, and 4 with 6 threes. He was really struggling, and now he's top 50 over the last two weeks. Into the top 80 for the season. While the horse played 30 minutes, had 13 and 10, 29% shooting. And Keldon Johnson is not a starter on even a playing quality team, in my opinion. They should have traded him in this offseason with there's still a little buzz about him. He is falling off pretty hard. I think you can hold him for now in, in category leagues and, and points leagues, but I'm not sure that's going to be the case long term. Let's talk about this because I'm sort of torn on Trey Jones. For the last, I will say, two weeks on Trey Jones, I have intermittently said If you want to grab Trey Jones, I would do it because I do feel in my gut, based on no information whatsoever, that he is going to get a starting job for a period of time coming up really soon. I've said that multiple times. Some of you listening and watching would have heard me say that. Others who don't consume every second of content, understandable, don't do it. Why would you? You've got better things to do in your life than listening to me yap on. But if you may not have heard me say it. So this is my thing is I can sit here and go, I told you, I told you Trey Young was going to get this opportunity. Or I sit here and this is what I do. I sit here and go, I, may, I don't think I was forceful enough on it. I don't think I said it enough. I don't think I was as adamant on this that Trey Jones is going to have this opportunity. 35 minutes, 18, 5, and 6. I don't think Trey Jones is a starting caliber point guard. I'm very much on record with that, and that has not changed at all. But he's definitely better than Malachi Branham. He, he's better at it than Jeremy Sohan. And they were more competitive here, and I think it helps Victor a lot. You cannot, you cannot leave Trey Jones on the waiver wire now. Even today, four hours ago, the waiver, the um, mailbag show, I chucked his head on the thumbnail saying, hey, are we adding him? Because I did believe this was going to be something that was happening and I have talked it up, but I am worried that I didn't do it forcefully enough or for long enough. So I do apologize on that. Sohan played 33 minutes, 9, 8, and 5, two steals in a box. Sohan's actually sort of a 12-team-ish guy now. He's probably more stream than must, but there's some okay numbers. While my man Don Barlow, he did have a bit of an injury towards the end of the game, but he seems to have gotten the backup center job behind Wembenyama. He had six points, four assists, one steals, two blocks. I would love to know. It's probably not going to happen this season. I would love to know if Barlow and Wemby can play together. I think they can. And 28 minutes of Don Barlow is actually a top 120 player in a couple of years' time. He's one of those guys that just you keep an eye on long-term. Just keep that eye on him. Bubbles really struggled. Julian Champagne missed all four of his shots. I still believe in him, but he's he stunk. We're not rostering him anywhere. And what else happened? We got 28 unnecessary minutes out of Chitty Osman because Branham and McDermott were out. Don't need to do that. Although 13, 2, and 5 with three steals from the Discman is actually pretty strong. But I just don't think there's anything we need to worry about too much there. And of course, with only two games on, I've somehow managed to extend the show out to be the same length as every other, game, every other damn one. Today's episode is brought to you by the legends over at... Hungry Root. Now, they've given me a pronunciation guide here to make sure I don't say Hungry Root. Just call it one word. Hungry Root. What is Hungry Root? Hungry Root is a way that you can help yourself eat healthier. It delivers fresh food to your door, which is just something that is awesome. We're all in time crunches at plenty of periods during the season. We all just... I know myself at the moment. Like, I'm here. I work a lot. My missus is away. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Order some unhealthy food? Yeah, probably. But if I had the option to get a Hungry Root, I'd be ordering a Hungry Root whenever I could, because getting that food delivered to my door, munching on whatever comes through in those boxes, man, totally amazing. You save money, you save time, you reduce food waste as well. Hungry Root is the easiest way to get fresh, high quality food delivered to your door. They've got healthy groceries and simple recipes all in one place. Take a quiz, Hungry Root will get to know you and your goals and how you like to eat. How do you like to eat? 
Hungry Root would like to know. They'll ask what flavors you like, what kitchen appliances you use, and more. And they help keep your needs and preferences top of mind when building your cart. And you'd love a Hungry Root that keeps your needs right at the top of their preference list. Right now, Hungry Root is offering the Locked On NBA channel listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash Locked On, get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That is HungryRoot.com slash Locked On. Don't forget to use our link so that they know that we sent you. All right, the second game. Uh, yeah, that is, uh, uh, what would the kids say? Big yikes? Jesus Christ. Uh, the Warriors were up huge, and then, I'll talk about them in a second, but then they choked, and Nikola Jokic wins it on a crazy last-second hurried, sort of banked three-pointer. It was it was insane. The fact that they even came back. Aaron Gordon got them back into it. Aaron Gordon carried them into the game. And then Jokic wins it, and Steve Kerr chokes it away. Let's talk Denver, 130-127 over Golden State. Big Chungus played 38 minutes. He had 34, 9, and 10 with two steals and a block. Just a casual 81 from the field, 86 from the line. Huge game. Amazing. Like, just ridiculous game. Aaron Gordon. Does he have that dog in him? Or does his dog have Aaron Gordon in him? Either way, he had 30 and 9 with two threes and a block on 65%, 86 from the line. He'd been sort of up and down, but this is obviously a very, very good game. The headmaster had 25, 2 and 6, Jamal Murray with two steals, and Magaporta Jr. got benched down the stretch. Watch that one. Eight points in 30 minutes with two threes. Not a good night. Now, he's been fine. He's a top 90 player this season. We don't need to worry. But the guy that they put in was three-point UCLA legend Peyton Watson. 19 minutes for Peyton, 19 points with five rebounds. He is playing exceedingly well. He is not a 12-team ad, but he's a very strong dynasty long-term guy. Um, he's at least like moving into the 14-team stream territory. And he was really strong here. KCP continues to not beat the allegations that he is only a streamer. 8-3-4 and four with a steal and a block. Fine to stream him today. No one played. But that's all he is and not much else going on. Now onto the Warriors. They made a change after... I'm sorry, Steve Kerr. I, I love Steve Kerr. He's been a very good coach for a long time, but he has, much like Greg Popovich, lost the fastball a little bit, I would say. And some curious decisions. N- number one, three days ago, yeah, this is actually our starting lineup for the uh, for the, for the foreseeable future. I don't think he actually said foreseeable future. What did, what did he actually say? He said um, for a while, I think is what he said. So for a while means like one game because they changed it. And I know what you're going to say before you rush to your keyboard and type stuff in. Well, he actually only did it, Josh, because of the matchup of Looney versus Jokic. I know exactly why he did it. But let me also guarantee you that he knew that they were playing Jokic. He knew that was coming up. And he still went out and said, this is our lineup for a while, knowing that that matchup was coming. So what is it? I'd rather they just don't say a single thing. Say we'll take it game by game. Much better for me, much better for you. Versus, nah, this is our lineup, mate. It's our lineup for a while. Foreseeable future. One game. And then Kavon Looney was back in. I don't know that Kavon Looney is going to necessarily stick in the style lineup. In fact, I don't think he will. Because Trace Jackson Davis basically was in the closing lineup until the final minute of the game. We'll start with TJD. He played 21 minutes. He had 4-2-2. Two, two. Wasn't a very good game at all. But I'm still holding for now. They kept Brandon Pajemski on the bench. He played 28 minutes. He had a quiet first half. He was amazing in the second half, I thought. 13-2-5, but then pulling him out of the game towards in the last quarter is ridiculous. They went with this closing lineup that was Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Andy Wiggins. Wiggins! The bloke's cooked. Clay Thompson and Dario Saric. 
Wiggins in the full final quarter in for Kaminga is indefensible bullshit. Obviously, we're not rostering um, Andy Wiggins. Get that garbage out of here. 11-3 on 50%. Kaminga, I think we hold him, but he played 19 minutes. 16-4-4, four and, four, and I am not the biggest Kaminga believer or this big, like he's his superstar way. But this, this is bullshit. Like, to me, it is very clear at the moment that Pajemski, Kaminga, and Jackson Davis are in at least their top six players. And then having them jerked all over the place in terms of minutes and lineups and rotations is a problem. Sharich played 23 minutes at 13-7-6. That's a good game. I don't really trust much with that outside of longer-term streaming or deeper league streaming, sorry. And Looney had seven in 22 minutes. Again, Looney is, is, com- is completely washed. I, I think I don't really see anything good from him. Yet, Kavon Looney's rostered in like 25% of 12-team leagues still. Guys, what are you doing? Get that garbage out of here. I want to just... Steph, let's talk about Steph. 34 and 6 with five threes. I'll say something. This is based... Actually, let me do, do a couple more things. Uh, Chris Paul had 9 and 4 with 6 assists. We still hold Paul for now. But I don't know where it's going to go. I think he might end up being a drop when Draymond eventually returns. I'm holding Pajemski. I'm holding Kaminga. I'm holding Jackson Davis. I'm jacking Looney. I'm jacking Wiggins. I'm obviously holding Steph. But I want to talk a little bit about Clay Thompson. Like I'm not saying that Clay was necessarily bad here. 24 points, 4 threes, 50% shooting. He's totally fine. He led the team in minutes. He was actually pretty good compared to some of the other, other games. Although, he was a team worst minus nine. Wiggins a team worst minus 14, while Kaminga was a plus six. So, yeah, take that for what you will. But there is something... I can blame Kerr for some of this stuff, but there is more stuff going on with this team. Allow me to um, guess. I was going to use a fancy word. I'm just guessing. That press conference from Clay Thompson the other day where he talked about his basketballing mentality or mortality, in fact, and how Steve Kerr was telling him, hey, look at the privilege you've had here. Stop being such a pissy sook bitch and complaining about things not going your way. And Clay's like, yeah, I'm out here. I'm trying to score points and get into all-star games, right? That's, he literally said that. And Kerr told him to stop being so negative about it. Clay Thompson's a guy that's universally loved, Correct. I'm a little. I don't. I don't. I like. I, I do like Clay a lot. I'm a little worried that there is. He's being a little. I don't know what the right word is. I don't know what the right word is. I think you know where I'm going. All of this pissing, moaning about his points, his all-star appearances. I'm certain he is putting negative vibes into the locker room because he literally said it. And then some of these decisions of putting Wiggins in, going back to Looney, closing with Paul Curry, Wiggins, and Clay all together, which doesn't work is because of this veteran political pressure that is put on by these legends of the franchise. I've got nothing to base that on outside of just viewing it from literally thousands and thousands of miles away. But you piece together the things that Clay says, the things that we say about Clay, and look how good he is talking about all these things, that you know how he's had to come to terms with it. But what he was saying was inherently selfish. He was talking about how selfish he is. That's what he was saying. He that is literally what he said. Sorry, paraphrased into literally what he said. I am selfish and I'm annoyed at that and I'm bringing everybody down because I am looking for selfish goals. He said all of that stuff. So is that pressure, the gravitas that these guys hold, is that impacting the decisions Kerr makes? I'll put it this way. I can't say yes, but you definitely can't definitively say no. So I don't know where the hell this team goes from here. They're not firing Steve Kerr. They're not trading Clay Thompson. None of this shit is happening. So I think we're going to have frustrations with Pajemski, with Kaminga, with Jackson Davis. 
And it's a tough thing to try and balance. I would love your thoughts on the Warriors. Am I off base with that? Again, Clay Thompson is loved by everybody. But I worry about some of that stuff. I think there is a an undercurrent of bullshit on that team at the moment. And they should never have lost that game. And it is coaching. It is all coaching. But did the coaching decisions come from other levels of toxicity somewhere else? I don't think we can rule that out. And that is my parting uh, discussion on the Golden State Warriors, which I'm sure people will definitely all agree with 100% and be all about it. No problem with that. Let's go now and have a look at the streams of the day. It was a tough one, obviously, with very few games on. The 10-team stream was Trace Jackson Davis. That didn't work out very well. 4-2-2. Two, and two. I'm still holding. The 12-teamer was Trey Jones. That banged. 12, not 12, 18, 5, and 6 for a 12-teamer. We just add him. The 14-teamer also slapped. Peyton Watson, 19 and 5. What about our 16-team leaguer? Well, Don Barlow worked all right as well. 16, oh, six, not 16, Jesus Christ. 6-1 and 4, one steal and two blocks. They were pretty good. The Yahoo points and ESPN points were dreadful because Trey Saxon Davis had 7.4 Yahoo points and six ESPN points, which is obviously shitful. But you know, we didn't expect after. Again, it's, it's the paradox. Do I believe a coach when he says something, even though they lie every single time? Or do you go against what they say and then the one time it turns out true, you've ignored something they directly tell you? I can't do shit about it. Can't do shit about it. Unfortunately for, I don't know, for me, for you, for everyone, that's sort of where we are at. Let's do the monstrous line of the night. Only really two contenders for this award today and we are going to the big fella. Which one though? Well, the one that hit the game winner against Golden State, it was Big Chungus, Nikola Jokic, 34, 9, and 10. A huge performance there. The waiver wire line of the night, the best performance from a player rostered in under 50% of leagues. There were two real contenders for this one as well. One in the early game, one in the late game. And we do go to the late game to Dario Saric, who had 13, 7, and 6. Nice numbers. Probably still more 14 to 16 team league stuff. The young gun of the night, there is absolutely no discussion here unless you wanted to go to the Game Boy brand of Pajemski. I like Game Boy more than, more than Switch. It just rolls off the tongue a little bit better. So we're going to call uh, Pajemski the Game Boy. Um, it's not him though. It is, of course, the uh, whatever this bloke is. I don't even know what to call him. It is uh, Victor Wembanyama in San Antonio. 27 points, 9 rebounds, 5 blocks. Played half a game. Like he's just insane. And the dud of the night, the... Again, I don't really think there's too much to... um. To complain about with this one, it does go to old mate Bob Portis in Milwaukee. He had five points, four rebounds, zero assists, and he's back to being that stream guy that I thought he was weeks and weeks ago. That'll now bring us into look at the top six players for the day across the categories that we like to take a squeeze at. The number or well, the top six players for nine cat leagues. Number one was Jokic, followed by Giannis, Devin Vassell, Victor Wembanyama, Steph Curry, and Aaron Gordon. The top six players under 50% rostered, it was Sharich, closely followed by Trey Jones, closely followed by another couple of Spurs, the Discman, Chetty Osman, Jeremy Sohan, Domi Barlow, and John Kaminga, who just sneaks in at like 49.9%. That's what I'll call it anyway. He's about that mark, and I do think we still have him as a 12-team league guy. Your top six in points leagues, we go to Yanni, Jokic, Wemby, Vassell, Lillard, and Steph Curry. Lastly, let's have a look at our end-of-day takeaway checklist. 
we're adding Trey Jones. There's no debate about this. It may not last. It might have been a one-game fill-in for Malachi Brannon, but I don't care. We take the, we take a crack and we see where it goes. We've been waiting for it. We've been talking about it. It's here. We add him. Jeremy Sohan is next. Um, fringe guy. Draymond might be returned next week in a category league. I would definitely go to add him. If I've got Bubbles, Julian Champagne, he's a pretty clear drop. And the other one is, if you're still holding on to Wiggins or Kevon Looney even, uh, we move on there. We hold Pajemski, we hold Jackson Davis, and we hold um, the bucket, John Kaminga, as well. And that, all of you thumb up legends, all of you Anita Ward um, blokes and sheilers, brings us to the end of the show. Don't forget, follow the audio version wherever you find podcasts and here on YouTube. If you're a double banger, clap your hands. Thumb it up, ring the bell, subscribe, leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Feedback appreciated. Drop it down below. We are done. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.